0: The ingredients we need in order to thrive And really feel good As we do our work and as we live our lives Are the exact same ingredients we need If our whole agenda Is to learn to be our most productive And perform at our best So when I realised this My ego and my ambition Who up until then were like Oh, yawn, self-care, yada, 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 whatever Was suddenly like, oh So now you're saying exercise, rest Switching off eating well, sleeping well, all of these, if I do all of these things, you'll go the furthest, get the results you want, be your most productive, perform at your best. Suddenly, it's on board.
1: That's Selina Barker and this is episode 234 of In A Moment with me, Alex Manzi. I'm a coach and this podcast is all about self-development and helping you to live a happier and more fulfilling life. And each week we hear from some of the most inspirational people in the world to help inspire you to make a positive change in your life. And on this week's episode, I am joined by Selina Barker, who's a fellow coach and author of Burnt Out, the Exhausted Person's Six-Step Guide to Thriving in a Fast-Paced World. And this is a really timely conversation for me because as you guys know I spent three months away from the podcast because I was feeling a type of burnout which you know was obviously a mental burnout but also a creative burnout and during that time and leading up to that time one of the names that I kept seeing popping up alongside this word burnout was, was Selena's name because obviously a lot of her work is founded in that as a coach and she's got the book that's out there she was popping up another podcast so I, I began to get really super interested in her work and, and and the things that she was talking about because it was really relevant to me at the time and I knew that she was someone I really wanted to have this conversation on the podcast because I know that the way that we're living at the minute in this sort of semi-free from lockdown world where we're spending time at home but we're also still working from from the office or some people are fully back at the office. Burnout's become a real regular thing for a lot of people and it's something that a lot of people are experiencing and maybe don't even know it. And I think it's so important to, to bring this conversation to the podcast because this is something that I've seen a lot it's almost becoming a pandemic in itself burnout so you know we dive in a lot of different areas in this conversation and we really dive into the kind of different types of burnout the one thing that you should be prioritizing to avoid burnout learning to say no more how to reclaim your energy and much much more so the aim of this podcast is to inspire so if you like what you hear in this episode be sure to share with a friend and spread the love today but right now let's jump straight in and hear from selena so I guess I'm really excited about this conversation because um, as I was kind of semi-alluding to, I didn't want to say too much before we were recording, but I had stopped recording the podcast for a few months because I was felt like I was burning out. Oh, um, really? So this, this is a really timely conversation because obviously I've just started in the last couple of weeks recording and putting episodes out again. So yeah, I'm highly fascinated as to where this conversation is going to go. Mm. So I guess the best place to start is... Do you want to explain your experience of burnout and, you know, how that showed up and how that affected you?
0: Yeah. So, I mean, well, first of all, should I say, so I've written the book Burnt Out, The Exhausted Person's Six-Step Guide to Thriving in a Fast-Paced World. And <clears throat> the reason I wrote that book was because I just started to see more and more caring, smart, ambitious, loving people burning out just on trying to live their lives and do good work, like not trying to do anything out of the ordinary, but just trying to live ordinary lives. And what was really concerning to me, it was as there was more and more of an acceptance that this is just how it is. This is what modern life is like. It's stressful, people burn out. That's just That's just how it goes. And I was just like, that's not how it is. The human body is designed to thrive. If we're not thriving, if so many of us are burning out and are exhausted... Then it's for a reason, and we need to look at what that is. And I had myself experienced burnout for a few years, about kind of five years ago. Not big burnouts; they're varying degrees of burnout. Some people have a big burnout where they need to take weeks, sometimes months, off work to really to really recover. That severe burnout mm-hmm. that can come with panic attacks that can, you know, be a sort of quite a severe level of burnout. But what I was having was mini burnouts. So every two or three two or three times a year. I would suddenly hit a point and it was always because I was pushing myself, pushing myself, pushing myself, not looking after myself, not listening to my body that was saying, please stop and rest. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden I would usually find myself, I remember one time I was in a supermarket just like, I just need a packet of crisps to get me home. As I stood there trying to decide what flavour packet of crisps I wanted, I felt on the verge of tears because that decision, even that decision felt like too much, felt too overwhelming. It felt like a fuse had gone in my brain. Mm. And what I understand now is that to be a real mental burnout of just being in too much of a fight or flight state for a prolonged period of time until finally, the way I see burnout is it's your body and your brain's way of saying stop, enough, I'm going on strike. Something has to change. You're not looking after yourself. You're pushing yourself too hard. And it's literally like pull the plugs. That's why I always feel like it's like a fuse has gone. My brain's gone on strike. And um, and so that was happening for quite a few years. Now I had seen my dad go through a massive burnout when I was about 12, like this on the severe end of burnout. He had to be signed off work for months. He wasn't sure if he'd be able to go back to work. He didn't know how deeply it had affected him. It turned into clinical depression. The thing with that is obviously it had a huge impact on me as a child. The way I interpreted it was you need to do work that you love mm. to avoid it burning you out. But what I did also see was my dad really at that point, it was a real turning point in his life. It was really scary. But after the burnout, he became like a different person because pre-burnout he was stressed all of the time. And experiencing that as a child and being on the receiving end of someone who's stressed out in short fuse Obviously had a big impact on me. And then he became this much more chilled out person. But he also started to, it unlocked his dreaming again. He realized that there had to be more to life than this. And it ended up taking him on a completely different path. He ended up buying a boat. He ended up sailing around the world, sailing (laughs) to the Antarctic. So I also saw this story of it can be a real opportunity. It can be a real wake up call. It can really show you what you're missing in your life. And it can be a redirection. You know, and and bring you back to your energy, PS, and remind yourself of what's mm. important. Um, but I kind of thought, well, if I do think that I love, then I'll be immune to burnout. And yeah. if anything, it made me worse because I did still have the workaholic gene of my father, and I was a workaholic. And because I was also really passionate about my work, I've been a coach for over a decade now. Um, really loved what I did, loved making a difference. Plus the workaholic tendency that I had it just, I just kept burning out until mm-hmm. finally I was just like, this. That some things, I've, this has got to stop. I can't, this isn't sustainable anymore. And you know, it gets to a point where actually it starts making you think, maybe I, I can't work like this. Maybe I can't do the work that I love because it's burning me out. And so I really focused on bringing my wellbeing, making my happiness and my wellbeing a top priority and learning how to look after myself. I did not have a clue how to look after myself. And even in writing the book, I learned so much about how to manage my energy so that I can be really energized, that I can, when I'm stressed out, I can stop, take a time out, learn how to calm my nervous system. I now understand how to keep my my cup filled up because, you know, I'm I'm giving a lot in the work that I do. I've also discovered the power of exercise, which I had resisted for (laughs) most of my adult life, thinking that it would take energy from me, not realizing it would give me energy. Yeah. and and i really i just i feel so passionate about the way that we're working is not working and what's mm. what i've seen through this pandemic was all the reports are showing that up to 87% of people in britain alone are feeling have been have felt burnt out during the time of this global pandemic i think it's emotional burnout a lot of what we're feeling on top of you know natural kind of on top of work burnout um but i think it's it's a really exciting opportunity because people have been we've been worn down we're <laughs> weary and our tolerance level of being able to put up with this way of working that is urgent this is the most important thing and you've got to sacrifice yourself for work and the way a lot of people are treated at work by their bosses by senior management people are like also I think having a time out a lot of people were on furlough they had a time yeah. out from work I'm talking about people who are employed and they're now coming back and going this is this picture is so messed up. I don't want to work like this anymore. Like I'm not willing to put up with this anymore. And so I think it's a really exciting time where, you know, people are no longer willing to work in the way they were before and realizing how unhealthy our modern day of work is. And that's a large part of when I was really kind of researching what's causing people to burn out. There's a lot of the systems in place that do not, are not, for most of us, the workplace is not set up for us to thrive. Mm. Um, then you've also got your own inner shitty committee, which can play a large part. That was definitely a large part of my burnout as my own inner critic, pushing me, pushing me, pushing me. You know, you can't stop. You've got to go faster, must not fail. That alone can can cause you to burn out. But the big piece that I discovered that I hadn't really been conscious of before was this whole notion of how to manage your energy Mm. to protect yourself from burnout but also when you are burnt out how to reclaim your energy and start to build yourself back up again and that is the topic that I just now I've got into it I just find it endlessly fascinating like there's no end to learning and that's how that's how we then learn how to thrive as human beings and how to stop being like machines because we are treating ourselves and one another as if we were machines. Yeah. You know, the faster we work, the more hours you put in, the more you'll produce, the more you'll create. And it just doesn't work that way. And so that's what we've got to really start challenging and and looking at. So, yeah, I love this topic.
1: <laughs> I can tell. <laughs> Good job you wrote a book about it, right? Exactly. <laughs> but no, I I mean, there's so much there I want to unpack. But I think just on that last point, because you, you sort of alluded to it at the very beginning as well, is like, we're, we're sort of in this weird place where we feel like feeling exhausted and tired and burnt out is normal and it's like if you, if you don't feel like that then you're not working hard enough right
0: exactly
1: why why is it like what you know I know you've done a ton of research into the book and just in this in this topic in general like why why are we at this point why do we feel like exhaustion and tiredness should be normal because it shouldn't really
0: do you know what? I've been reading um, Reset by Elizabeth of mm. and who also wrote Slay in Your Lane, and it is such a good book. And she's really talking right now to this time, post-pandemic or mid-pandemic, um, and, you know, this way of working isn't working. And she said something that really struck me, and I've I've, re- I've been talking about it with all of my clients. We're still in this hierarchy of master and servant,
1: Mm. you
0: know and we yeah. and that is something that and we're doing it to, to a large degree unconsciously and so the servant when you're in that servant role you know and you're being you're having mandates you're being told what to do all the time you the, the the expectation is that you just you give completely of yourself you're here to be of service and and if you don't work hard and if you don't show up and you don't put everything in you will be punished mm. and it's it that is still so deep in the fabric of our society and you know we talk about golden you know the golden handcuffs wage slaves we talk about um the treadmill you know nose to the grindstone all of this language is showing how that is still going on and so Mm. I think as and then (laughs) even when you are your own boss you're still kind of your inner boss, your internal boss, your inner shitty committee that's teamed up with your inner shitty committee. It's kind of saying the same thing. And, you know, again, we talk about whip in hand, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. harsh taskmaster. And even this idea of, you know, being a hard worker is a really, like, that's that's a, that's a badge of honour, being a hard mm. worker. Why does work have to be hard? Like, why aren't we talking more? And obviously we are, you know, you and I do talk about this, but like, why we need to be changing the language and shifting the whole focus on work being easy, work being joyful. I don't know if you find this with your clients, but whenever I'm talking to my clients about exploring, you know, new career paths and like, you know, what could you be doing? And if we strike on something that something they find so easy to do, could do it standing on their head, they do it all the time <laughs> for their friends. And I'm like, why wouldn't why can't that be what you do for a living? And they'll yeah. be like, but that seems too easy to be work because our idea is that work is supposed to be hard. So it's not feeling hard. Who's going to pay me? That mm-hmm. can't be work. And so we won't even look. I was saying this the other day, the other day on IGTV, we won't even look for the opportunities that feel easy and feel joyful because it's not even in our in our notion that it could be that way. And so we seek out stuff that is hard and stressful because that's the narrative we have around what work is supposed to be and you know so we've we've got to unpack the whole lot we've really got to just and I think finally <laughs> this is the moment where people are in a, in a bigger more collective way going we've got to rethink things this is this can't keep going on
1: yeah totally and it, it's so interesting isn't it because like I I've always had that similar you know mindset of like well work's got to be hard and you've got to work hard to like live a good life and all of this right Mm -hmm. and it's just like you you get sucked into like a void (laughs) and it's like you're in this void and you're just like stuck in this way of thinking and then believing the thinking that you have around having to work hard earning money is hard work you know like you said nose to the grindstone and all that sort of stuff and it's like no actually there's plenty of people out there who enjoy what they do don't get me wrong it doesn't doesn't mean that it's always totally easy like there's big no. responsibility and still hard work that goes into it but it doesn't feel as hard like i'm sure if you spoke to a professional footballer at the top of their game and asked them if uh if work is hard they would be like well yeah but i love it so yeah. it's like you, you 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 all of a sudden you have a totally different approach to what working hard means it's not something that you have to fight against and struggle against it's something that you you're you're willing to experience sometimes because you enjoy it and i think that's like enough people don't don't realize that and one of the things I always um discuss with clients and it's it throws them off every time but it's like I just they're saying oh this is about work and I'm exhausted and that and I say what do you do for fun and just and just leave that there and it's like because if you're not even willing to make time to have fun and like actual fun where you go out like a child and you play with no outcome in mind you just play and have fun then how do you expect to even bring an ounce of that into your working life and into, a yeah. you know, what career you want to do? And it's just, it's just like, we're not, I guess we're not shown that path. And I think one of the things that's been great, you know, amongst all of the terrible stuff in this pandemic is it has made people reevaluate the way that we're living our life. And, you know, yeah. is actually going to the office every day that productive, can I get more work done at home? Do I feel more, okay, some people felt maybe a little bit, Like they're living at work with all the the homework. But there's still like you could go out for an hour walk at lunch and no one would bat an eyelid because you're not in an office. Do you know what I mean? So it's like, yeah, it's super interesting. And the one thing I did want to want to come to was you mentioned like the different varying uh, types of burnout. And I feel like over time I've experienced different levels of each. And I've, you know, I've worked with people who have, and I think most recently the one I experienced, which I'd never really considered before as even being a possibility, was um, creative burnout, like just creatively not able to sit and and feel energized by creating. And then, you know, layer on top of that previous experience of mental burnout, emotional burnout. So what are like these, you know, categories, for want of a better word, um, of the different types of burnout?
0: Yeah. So, I mean, the way that I look at it is you burn out on the physical, mental, emotional and spiritual level. Mm -hmm. And the reason I think sometimes people often don't even realise that what they're experiencing is burnout is because their symptoms are so... There's such a range of symptoms. So what most people have when they're burnt out is bone deep exhaustion, like just so tired and you wake up tired and you're kind of dragging yourself <laughs> through the day, either with the help of caffeine or adrenaline by kind of saying to yourself, come on, you you know, you've got to go. You can't you can't just be sort of, you know, slowing down now or sugar, whatever it is that gets you going, Um, often insomnia is a sign of of mental burnout, actually. So your mind just can't switch off because it's just constantly, constantly, constantly thinking. And it'd be interesting, actually, I wonder if the creative burnout was it because a lot of the things that you were creating were for work purposes so you were creating for an audience you were creating (laughs) you were uh, you know I speak to a lot of creatives who when they feel that kind of burnout they talk about feeling like a content machine or a content farm you know so no it's no longer about creativity for creativity's sake it's lost exactly what you were talking about there that play that fun and again I'm going to bounce around by the way because you've said so many things that have kind of got me <laughs> thinking but just going back to what you were saying before it's, it's it's our narrative around what it is to be an adult as well that mm. needs unpacking because you know play and fun and joy um laughter silliness these are things that we kind of think well not maybe the laughter and the fun but certainly the play these are things we are think oh that's what a child
1: does. yes exactly
0: And actually, we need to recognize that play is so essential for adults, for filling up our emotional cup, for coming up with ideas, daring to experiment, try things out, bringing joy into our life. So much of that comes from play. But if you're putting creativity into the work sphere and it suddenly becomes serious and it suddenly becomes in order to and it's creating for you know, for your work or for other people and never creating just with that playfulness mm. and that freedom, then it's actually no longer filling up your emotional cup. And then it suddenly becomes like hard work and it can so easily sort of fall into that, you know, the treadmill and the hard work. Yeah. And so that's that's really common. But so you have the physical exhaustion, the kind of exhaustion depleted. Most of the time, though, for those of us who are desk based, it's yes, we have the tiredness, but really where our burnout has happened is emotional burnout. A mental burnout. Mm-hmm. an emotional burnout is like, you know, the whole saying you can't pour from an empty cup. Well, that cup is fully, it's dry, it has dried out. And I think what a lot of people have experienced during the pandemic is emotional burnout, regardless of whether they're working, furloughed, because emotional burnout happens from having to navigate big emotions and not having the tools to do it, not knowing how to navigate that. And most of us are not well equipped yeah. to even know how what we're feeling. You know, I struggle to, I struggle to be able to, I'm like, I'm feeling really off and I'm just I'm flailing around. And actually in in my book, Burnt Out, I've got an emotional toolkit that I was using a lot, particularly in that winter lockdown and I was homeschooling and it was just, it was, it was a hard time. And so about two or three times a week, I was doing these emotional check-ins, just acknowledging how you're feeling rather than so many people were like, well, I'm one of the lucky ones. And then therefore neglecting, suppressing, pretending mm-hmm. they didn't have, all of those big emotions that they did. So that can really drain your cup. Um, But so too can being in a caring profession, being of service to people, over, natural overgivers, people who are looking after others, people who like to care for others. You know, our cups tend to tend to empty out a lot faster. And it's, it's fine. You're supposed to be using that energy. But the problem is if you're not doing things to fill up that cup yeah. and the things that fill up that cup, acknowledging how you're feeling, healing work on a kind of deeper level but actually on the day-to-day basis it's play it's creativity for creativity's sake it's laughter it's joy it's all those things that we were talking about that is what and quality time with yourself quality time with others those things that sometimes it's like a nice to have yeah I mean, like when i have time yeah, or even a, worse when i'm on holiday yeah, you like know then you'll allow huh
1: like a bolt on
0: yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly, rather than recognising how important it is or if you're a parent or, you know, whatever, if people who are giving to others and being there for others, supporting others, helping others, really their, their cup can get drained. Equally, people who tend to, um, with people who are living on their own during lockdown and weren't having that contact with others, their cup was getting drained for lack of, you know, being able to give and receive in that sort of way that they normally would. Mental burnout happens when you just just overdoing it overthinking overdoing working 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 and and accepting a level of stress that's almost constant mm-hmm. and you know again that very much has been happening over the past sort of almost 18 months now but that happens a lot at work and again it's because this urgent stressed out like state we think we're supposed to be in we think that's what work you know being committed being loyal to work working you know your hardest working your best we think that that's what you need in order to be successful but if you keep doing that if you don't know how to or you you almost can't at some point switch your brain off I switch your brain off I do use that term but actually it's a bit misleading you're not (laughs) literally so, again, you're not a machine. You're not switching the off button and you just completely go down. You're going from the left brain into the right brain and, you know, allowing sort of your intuition and your creativity to take over. And it's really about doing things that help you to really shift your thinking away from work mm-hmm. and into other things, anything that really kind of draws your, draws your attention. But, yeah, so it's – and then the other, other symptoms of burnout are things like cynicism yeah no longer no feeling like maybe and i wonder did you did you have any of this with this last one if particularly it was around your creativity you start to worry that maybe you've lost the passion for what you do mm-hmm. maybe this isn't for me maybe that's like oh my god and then and it's t- it can be really scary burnout because what happens with emotional burnout you can have compassion fatigue so you're you know really giving caring people suddenly being resentful not having the compassion they normally do. You can really start to question who you're becoming. People when they have mental burnout, people who are problem solvers, who are normally quick to think and, you know, suddenly getting decision fatigue, finding all kinds of decisions hard, feeling overwhelmed, their creativity is running out. You can start to panic like, well, if I can't do this now, what the hell am I gonna do? And you can also just really start to feel, yeah, a lack of connection, to, to what you're doing and, and almost questioning if the values you once had are still the values you have now. So it can really lead to existential crisis and you can also lead to panic attacks, yeah. increased anxiety, increased depression. So when it gets to that level, when it's severe burnout, when it's a big burnout, it's so important to reach out for help. You know, it's going to take more than a weekend to just relax and a couple of weeks of taking it easy to kind of recover from that level of burnout. But the mini burnouts, Mm-hmm. You can take a weekend. I did it just this weekend because I was really depleted on my emotional energy from all the stuff that was going on in my life last week. And I spent the weekend dedicated to doing things that would fill up my cup. And by Monday, I was I was a totally different person. It's amazing how quickly we can change. I felt at peace. I felt energized. I felt gra- you know full of gratitude and joy. That's because I spent the weekend just really um, prioritizing rest, recovery and doing the things that would fill up my cup
1: mm, yeah and I think we forget don't we that that's that that place that like you said you, you know your peace and your energy that's like our innate you know core of well-being is to 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 be feet like to be feeling like they experiencing that and and that you know with the creative burnout that's that's something that I definitely experienced was like I felt like you know creatively like I, you know you look at children like they they create they have fun they take you know Bits of grass and wood and they make like an amazing game out of it they're so like innately creative and i've always had that approach to the stuff that i do and 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 the thing i actually saw a video on tiktok which made me question actually maybe i am burnt out is uh (laughs) it's the guy said something like one of the biggest signs of burnout he looks for in people is they're doing something that they used to love but now they're doing it from a place of fear and i was like mm. wow that's exactly what's happened here with like the podcast and making content online is like i got to a point because you know it ties in quite well to the work i do where it it felt like i was just making for the sake of making like i was i was panicking myself about getting guests and i was like stressing about stuff And the reason I started the podcast is because it was fun and it was like a really cool place to have really interesting conversation with interesting people like yourself. And I'd lost that essence or I'd come away from that essence rather than lost it, should I say. And, you know, I I said to myself, I'm going to take a break. And it, it really took me a lot because I was like, you know, all of those fears of like, well geez like what if like no one comes back to listen to the podcast what if i lose the audience what if do you know what i mean it's like all of this stuff appears so real and it's like yeah no like i have faith that if you know people who have listened to my podcast over the course of you know up to four years some of them it's like they'll come back when there's a new website i'm sure they'll be excited about it and it's just it's just fascinating And, and when i sat back i was like wow this is really this is really looking true to me right now that these thoughts and I was like they're not like I can have a break like yeah. if I if anything I deserve a break off the four years of like putting out an episode every week <laughs> like oh exactly you know what I mean? it's like it's cra- it's just like
0: but it's this resistance <laughs> to rest yeah you know we don't value it we think it's a sign of weakness we think it's that and and that fear of what will happen if I take a break and I stop and I rest I hear it all the time exactly what you're saying particularly with people who are visible but if I stop <laughs> Maybe my entire audience will get will, will walk away yeah. will' disappear i'll disappear some somehow everything that i've worked hard to build will just crumble <laughs> the moment i stop and actually, I remember feeling like this probably about four years ago this idea that if I switched off from thinking about work, Mm. like, you know, kind of just down tools, just completely let my mind wander away from it. Even for a weekend, I resisted that because I was really afraid, what if I can't switch myself back on into work? Yeah. And because I relied on being on and fired up and go, go, go. And I had thought, I'd sort of got to think that that was why, things were moving forward, that's why I was successful. So the idea of stopping and daring to stop doing that and daring to switch off, and that was actually probably the biggest turning point for me breaking out of my burnout cycle was this realisation that I can absolutely, and now I completely switch off for the weekend. Mm -hmm. I don't think about work. I don't let myself, I'll listen to podcasts, but I'm really mindful of, are you listening to this to sneakily do a bit of work?
1: yeah you know
0: just getting I'm like uh, uh, uh choose another podcast then choose one that's pure for pure inspiration or pure play or entertainment I really switch off on the weekends which does mean now I think of Monday as my warm-up <laughs> day warm-up into the week yeah and then I'm going come Tuesday I'm ready I would never for example have said yes to doing this podcast on a Monday because I'm like uh-uh Monday is my day I actually do my own I do a mini podcast at the moment with the Monday crew and I do that on a Monday but it's Really in the moment. By the way, many, many, many moons ago, I had a blog post a blog called Made in the Moment.
1: Ah, there you go. Oh yeah. coincidence.
0: <laughs> I love I love the yeah, I love the in the moment stuff. Um, but so I do it does mean that now I do need a kind of day to get back into it and warm up. But if anything, it's made me more focused, mm-hmm. maybe more effective, maybe more productive, because of course I've allowed myself to really recharge my batteries rather stepping into the week feeling a bit jaded because I've basically not taken a break from thinking about work. And over time, that's just not sustainable. Mm-hmm. But I think we really need to encourage one another, particularly as entrepreneurs, or even you know, you know, in teams at work, how powerful and important it is to switch off. And I will say something from, from writing the book, a big realization that I kind of made as I was writing it was the ingredients we need in order to thrive and really feel good as we do our work and as we live our lives are the exact same ingredients we need if our whole agenda is to learn to be our most productive and perform at our best. Yeah. So when I realized this, my ego and my ambition, who up until then were like, oh, yawn, self-care, yada, yada, whatever, (laughs) was suddenly like, oh, so now you're saying exercise, rest, switching off, eating well, sleeping well, All of these, if I do all of these things, you'll get, you'll you'll go the furthest, get the results you want, be your most productive, perform at your best. Suddenly it's on board. Mm -hmm. And that was huge because that constant battle between that part of me that wanted to nurture, that valued self-care and that part of me that was ambitious and wanted results and wanted to grow and wanted to achieve were completely at loggerheads. Mm -hmm. And now to a degree, they're kind of on the same page. And that was the piece that was really exciting to me because I'd never seen that before.
1: Yeah, that's that's so fascinating, and I've kind of experienced similar. Like when when I've had smaller like burnout, like the creative thing, I think was just a really overdue thing that was was bound mm. to happen at some point. And I'm really glad that I took the time for like it's, I mean, it was three months before I put another episode out recently, and it wasn't. An, I, I didn't want to do it until I felt that excitement yes. to do it again, and. But what I wanted to say was the, the 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 smaller burnouts I've experienced, like you were saying before, like every you know three four months, like having this like uh, like scary burnout, <laughs> like mini burnout. It it really it really actually helped me change my approach to to like self care, and you know people who listen to the podcast enough will know that I'm really big on this. And what changed for me was like actually by you know doing all the things that you said, sleeping well, eating well, you know exercising, etc. 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 What you're doing when you do those things is you're showing yourself how important you are to yourself. You're letting your your body, your mind, your ego know, actually, I am really important in this whole thing that we're driving here, like this meat sack we're driving. I'm really important in this. And these are the ways that I'm going to show myself that. So then the rest of it goes, oh, okay, I can understand that now. This is important to us. So now we can use this to do the things that we're doing, create and work and be a good friend and a good partner and what have you. And it's just like really life changing, game changing. Yeah. Like
0: Yeah. Totally life changing. Yeah. And it is and it is important as well to, to you do need to bring your kind of well, certainly for me, I do need to bring my ego, my drive, my ambition on board because it's a powerful part of me. And you know, the more I can have it aligned and recognizing these things are important. Life is mm-hmm. life is so much easier.
1: <laughs> yeah, for sure, for sure. So, one thing that I really, really loved in the book was you kind of broke down four archetypes of, um, you know, the
0: burnout archetypes. The burnout
1: archetypes. That's yeah. that's what I was trying to get. At. Um, do you want to talk us through those? Because I think the and and. I guess the follow-up question to that is can these blend? Because as I read Freedom, I was like, Oh totally. I was like, Oh, that's totally me. Oh, the next one, oh, that's totally me. <laughs> okay. I mean, that one's definitely me. And I was like, what? I can't uh-huh. be all four, surely. So like <laughs>
0: Yes, you can. Absolutely can. So there's the overthinker, the overdoer, the over-achiever, and the overgiver. And it's really, it's kind of what you it's this sort of mode that you slip into. Mm -hmm. when you're heading towards burnout and when what I call your shitty committee is really in town and really piling on the pressure and sometimes it's piling on the pressure because there's outside pressure and other people are piling on the pressure sometimes it's you know when you work for yourself you can create that pressure all by yourself Mm. by telling yourself stories you can't possibly stop if you do stop creating podcasts what will happen (laughs) everyone will disappear my whole career will fall apart and i've been there so many times myself like i cannot stop it has to be done this way (laughs) this is the way it's done i remember the first time i was launching an online course um a kind of long-term collaborator of mine and we went hold on a second wait what if we allowed this to be easy
1: <laughs> yeah. and
0: it was mind and fun <laughs> and fun what if we were able to bring ease to this so we were like <laughs> rather than launching it in like two months time let's give ourselves four months and let's mm. bring on help with this bit and you know once you give yourself permission for it to be easy or to be done with ease it's amazing how your perspective can change um so, yeah, so so you kind of kick into these overdrive modes when your shitty committee is in town. And I sort of, I came up with burnout archetypes, sort of looking at the the different energy zones. And there are certain kind of personalities that will have a tendency to be, you know really get into overthinking others who really get into over giving others who will really get into just doing 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 and mm. then become completely obsessed with their to-do list and what i noticed was it's it sort of teams up with the flip side is your superpower yeah. so the person who is really giving and generous and really just naturally knows how to make a difference to others gets so much joy and fulfillment out of being there for others When they're stressed out, when they go into fight or flight, when they've got their shitty committee in town, they can suddenly, like, find that they can't stop giving. They they don't know how to say no. They sort of say, yes, yeah, okay, fine, I'll help. And it's almost feverish, and they're just completely ignoring their body signals, saying, you need to rest, you need time for yourself. Mm. And they'll be the person that... You know, everyone comes to at work for help and they're just always a yes person. And when they, the, the more they kind of kick into overdrive, the more they sort of lose that ability to take a step back and be discerning and say, hang on a minute, listen, I haven't got capacity for that because they're panicked now. And they're panicked and they're a people pleaser and they're afraid that if they say no, what will happen? So that tends to be the overgiver. And it's often caring, people in caring professions, parents, parents, um, And just those, yeah, naturally caring people. And they're the ones that usually burn out emotionally. So then the overthinkers are the ones that tend to burn out mentally. So Mm -hmm. they're ones who in their full power are the problem solvers. They're the, the brilliant thinkers. They can figure stuff out. They use their brain to sort of, you know, make connections and come up with ideas when they kick into overdrive it's like they cannot switch their brain off and it's like 3am and their brain's like (laughs) hi we've got some problems that need solving right now and it's suddenly they just they can't stop the thinking because they've now got the shitty committee is saying just just get into this feverish panicked urgent state of of thinking thinking the overdoers become completely obsessed with their to-do list like there's always something else that needs to be done no I can't stop and rest no I can't you know I know I should take a break but there's too many things to do just become completely obsessed with doing and you know that that leads to sort of exhaustion and burnout in that way and then the overachiever is invariably the person that in their superpower they've got great vision you know they mm-hmm. set, they're like I want to go after this I've got this idea I've got this idea this project i this has never been done before. I want to do that. And you know, and they're sort of great visionaries, but when they slip into overdrive, they just, they are totally incapable. And I absolutely do this as well. I'm all of them as well. I have my moments of being all of them, totally incapable of being able to judge how much time and how much energy mm-hmm. it will actually take to do that thing. And so they're totally setting themselves goals that that will lead to burnout because that's, there's no way it's humanly possible to reach that deadline in that amount of time without burning out so it's like it's kind it's just a kind of fun way to start recognizing what your behaviors tend to look like as you're heading into the kind of burnout zone when you're Mm. feeling stressed when fear is fear is leading the way like what tends to be you know your sort of behaviors that are a little red flag that uh -uh, something this is this is not this is not right you're gonna your brain and your body are going to go on strike very soon if this yeah. keeps up.
1: Yeah, it is, it is amazing, isn't it? How the how your your brain and your body send you those signals. And it's like, we're going to step in in a second. Like, if you don't yeah. really take charge for yourself.
0: Yeah. And, and you know, what? also, it's okay. You know, it's good that it's doing that yeah. because it is so hardwired to thrive that the fact that you're not, it's like, well, you need to stop. And I say in the book, Sometimes often I see people have accidents, suddenly have an accident where they will had one client who, and I'd already written this part in the book, and she was really burnt out, cycling home, got knocked off a bike, broke her leg. Oh wow. Suddenly had to lie in bed. The number of times people have accidents, which forces them into bed.
1: Mm. I'm like, because your
0: body is wise and your body is smart. Plus, you were super tired, so you might not have been looking as well, yeah. you know, where you're going but the number of times or illness will knock people off their feet and into bed. And it's your, you know, it's your body going, stop, pause. We need to just rethink things, redesign things. Something isn't working. Something Mm. needs to change. And so I think that's probably why, you know, you might have a series of mini burnouts for a few years as you're kind of designing your life so that you can thrive and adjusting and I, Oh, okay. That was too much. Okay. I've learned from that. And slowly, but surely. We start to sort of remember what it is to be human in this world, and not operating like machines.
1: Mm, and I, I think, as well, I think from my own experience, the mini burnouts were kind of a warning for like something bigger that could be coming yeah. down the line. If you didn't begin to, like you said, find the adjustments and find that rebalance yourself, right? And you know, you you talk about in the book about reclaiming your energy, and I think I, I just love that as a as an idea because it's like you're you're actually recognizing that. You, the power you hold is within yourself and it's like if you're giving it away to all of these things by overthinking, overdoing, overachieving, et cetera, et cetera, then you're, you're not seeing the power for yourself and yes, I just think that's incredible. So what are the ways in which people can, because I'm sure there's probably people listening to this who are like, oh wow, this sounds a lot like me, this stuff you guys are talking about and maybe haven't recognized it or have recognized mm. it. So what's some of the ways that you can begin to reclaim your energy. So I hope you're enjoying this conversation today and if you are and you know someone who you think would benefit from hearing this episode then be sure to send it to them send them a link or a screenshot because it's really important that we continue to spread the positive vibes and messages of episodes like this. I started this podcast to inspire a positive change and you can also be a part of that by sharing this episode with someone you know today but right now let's get straight back into it.
0: So yeah, just something I want to say there, actually, it's, you know, when people are burnt out, it's it's very common to feel that you have no power, that you can feel that you're in a kind of victim mode. Like, you know, you were there like churning out all this work and feeling like, well, I can't stop, you know, I can't stop, you know, and that that sense of powerlessness and sense of almost being trapped. So many people talk about feeling like, they're trapped on the treadmill. I'm like, you do have choice. And I think if anything, what this global pandemic has forced people to kind of see is like, hold on a second. Not everyone is working like this, like we do have choice. And that's why it was important to talk about reclaiming your energy, reclaiming your life, reclaiming your time, like get back control. And I do say in the book, you know, for many of us, the world in which we work, the the world in which we live is not designed for us to thrive. It's not set up for people like us. And but does that mean we can't thrive? No, mm. what it means is we need to take things into our own hands. And so it is about recognizing you take up back control. And really reclaiming your energy, it's really simple stuff that can start that can make a big difference. So the key things really sleep, making sure you can, you know, really focus on right, what what can I do? If you're if you've got you struggling with sleep at the moment. What can you do? Look into what you can do to really help create an environment to to help you fall asleep and then remain asleep. Um, exercise, movement, moving your body. It's so essential, it's so key. The number I, I've interviewed a lot of people who had burnt out and recovered mm-hmm. from burnout. And two of the biggest things, well, probably sleep actually was there as well, was exercise. They were like, so I started exercising. And just like I talk about in the books, like, Wow. Yeah. It really does make a massive difference because actually, with exercise, you're topping yourself up on the physical level. Now, if you're super burnt out, that exercise can be gentle. You know, it could be gentle walks every day, it could be some slow yoga. I'm not suggesting that it's like five times a week, class. A half hour hit class. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Like if you're exhausted, when I've been really exhausted, Doing a hit class has actually done more damage than mm-hmm. good because the next day it's like I've been hit by a train. I was like, right, that was officially too much. So mm-hmm. gentle yoga. So you go gently, but exercise it fills you up. You know, physical energy on your physical kind of level, it helps you to reclaim your energy. It when when you're mentally frazzled, it helps you to release the stress and refresh your your mind and your brain and starts kind of re-energizing you on that level. And in your emotional level as well, it really helps to fill up your cup. It gives you feel good hormones. And as you're feeling, as you start to do exercise, you start to feel more in control, more in power, stronger on the outside, you also start mm. to feel stronger on the inside. The other one, if you if you tend to use alcohol as a way of switching off, winding down, falling asleep, reducing your reliance on alcohol, Um, to do that is really important. Actually, so too, if you're strongly reliant on your smartphone.
1: Mm, I was gonna say, yeah.
0: To switch off. Writing the book, it just in writing the book and looking into smartphone addiction, I discovered that I was really addicted to my smartphone and I had no idea. And I went through this whole thing of like, right, I need to get a handle on this. And I did a sort of 24-hour digital detox, not using my phone, which terrified me and but what i found was i genuinely had a few days of withdrawal symptoms because i wasn't allowing myself to go to the phone in moments of boredom before mm-hmm. bed first thing in the morning i genuinely felt like loneliness sadness a real withdrawal symptoms i didn't have that um you know the sort of dopamine hit or whatever mm. from, from all the stuff that i was doing but what i got back was my memory so i had been really worrying about my kind of short-term memory i'd the number of times in a day i'd walk into a room and be like why have i come in here <laughs> what did i come in to do but it was happening all the time it's like yeah. 20 times a day and i was like this this my memory deterioration is happening way too fast for this th- at this age and i swear a week after i'd really got a handle on my smartphone use that completely disappeared Happen, it happens now and again, but it was happening multiple times a day. It just showed the power. Like I used to have what's called phantom vibrations, where you feel a vibration, yeah. you think it's your phone, and you look and there's no message. And I remember reading somewhere that said, if you're having that symptom, then you are seriously dependent on your smartphone. Yeah. I ticked every single box that was like, are you addicted to your smartphone? So that can be huge. But it's really about... You know, if you're mentally burnt out, the most important thing is actually to prioritise rest and recovery. You know, like we were saying there, it takes courage. You know, there's lots of talk about rest revolution. I love this idea of like, we need a rest revolution because it is revolutionary. Mm. And the reason I think that is, is because for most of us, either our families or certainly our ancestors had to struggle to survive. This ties back in what we were saying at the start you know why do we have this idea that work has to be so hard that has to be so much struggle and striving because for most of us it's in our it's in our cells in our memories or passed on through you know attitudes and the rest of it that we that you do have to fight to survive that you do have to struggle you do have to strive and that rest is not something that you that we can do it's almost a danger sometimes around this idea of rest so it's really, really important to make rest and recovery a top priority and, and start making space in your life and start kind of decluttering your life. Particularly if you're having a mini burnout, I would take dedicate a whole weekend to just yeah. doing things, to switch off, switch off your phone, do things that fill up your cup, that lift your spirits, movement, you know, hang out with friends, quality time with the ones you love, quality times with yourself, like whatever you feel, you and we do all know, what we need to recharge our batteries. Like take a moment and write a few things down on a piece of paper and you'll have a list of five things for sure that will help you to start filling back up that cup and resting and moving, mm-hmm. getting that energy flowing again and calming your your frazzled brain. But taking time <laughs> off like you did, yeah. that's really courageous, but doesn't it show how powerful and how necessary that was? Because we all need rest.
1: Yeah. And it's funny because when I put the episode out, the first episode after you know my break from podcasting, so many people were like, "Oh my god, I loved your energy in that episode." And I was like, "Okay, so like it's even like people can you know in some cases hear it but see it as well." And that that was powerful in itself. And you know what you were saying about the smartphone thing, I think that plays a a lot bigger role than what we think. Like we're so like dependent on our phones and. One of the things that I've started to do is like have a no social media day. So like on a Sunday, that's like no social media day. No Twitter, no Instagram, and then two that I really or TikTok, like none of those that get looked at at all. Yeah, and if I do, like I won't beat myself up about it. I'll be like, oh, okay, like I'm supposed to not be on this today, and I put it away straight away. And that's been super helpful because it's like, you know, when you go on holiday. And I don't know if if this is just a me thing or like if everyone does it, but like (laughs) if I go on holiday, I'm more than happy to leave my phone like in the room upstairs while I'm down at the pool or like while I go out to the shops. Like it doesn't bother me because I'm like, "Ah, I don't need it because I've got all this other stuff that I can, you know, do. I can take in my surroundings. And then when you get back to your phone and you check it, you've got like two messages. You're like, oh, I I didn't actually miss anything. It's like it just goes to show, like, we, we're always checking our phones, like there's some update to come or someone's going to message us or there's some news that's going to happen. And more often than not, you don't miss much.
0: Yeah, but, but in being in that state, and this is what all the research and all the kind of, you know, everything that is that the reports are showing is that that's what's keeping us in a low level mm. of fight or flight almost constantly, yeah. this fear of what if I what if there's a message that I don't get or, you know, or and, and there's so much research that shows if you're addicted to your phone, I mean, addicted is a, is a strong word, let's say overly dependent on your phone. Even if you have your phone turned down, even if you have it in your bag, just knowing that it's there and wondering if you've got a message mm-hmm. is enough to both keep, it, to keep you in this state of fight or flight and it massively affects your IQ. So your IQ drops. So if you've also got, you know, notifications pinging up on your laptop and yeah. pinging up on your on your phone and you're sort of constantly being bombarded with, you know, these distractions, it's not doing us any good. Like the I love my smartphone, don't get me wrong, and it's made life, it's, you know, my business so portable, mm-hmm. it's given me loads of opportunities, but learning to use it mindfully is life-changing yeah. and we really need to... Yeah, it's like you say, it's affecting us way more than I think we realize. And that's the one where a lot of people have said, Oh my God, Mm. the smartphone thing. I hadn't realized, but I think that's actually having a really big impact on me.
1: Yeah. 100%. Because it's, you know, out of all of the things, exercise, sleep, um, I can't remember the other one you said, but the smartphones, alcohol. Alcohol. Okay, maybe I'll, I'll put alcohol in there with smartphone then. They're the two most unnatural things to, to, to us as you know alcohol is essentially and i don't want to you know go on a, a rant about it, is essentially putting poison in your body so that's totally unnatural and phone social media having so much information available to you at any one time and like you said that access to a hit of dopamine or whatever is just so unnatural and that's why they play such a huge role um but well thing- they're, and
0: they're both they're both used for numbing, they're both used for distraction, yeah. they're both used to run from ourselves, they're both used to avoid the void of existence <laughs> that, you know, and and the things that we're running from. And I think the key is is not that we should all be putting our smartphones in the bin or that we should all be going sober, I mean, you know, each to their own, but that we recognize when we're using it as a crutch. Yes. When exactly. we're using it in a way that is we're using it for escapism. We're using it to avoid our feelings. We're using it to numb our feelings. We're using it to, you know, to, to fill the void. Mm. That's when it's problematic. So sure, you know, if sometimes you do want to have a drink or you do want to scroll on your phone, it's not like there's anything wrong with that per se, but when you, that's every single night to switch off and relax, you're grabbing a beer, you're scrolling your phone, you're switching on <laughs> Netflix that's when we need to take a look and just stop and yeah. diversify the ways that you are relaxing and switching off. Let's say, you yeah, put it like that.
1: Yeah. hundred percent agree. Yeah. Um, so I think this is a good point for us to jump into some of the questions that we've got because yes. some of them tie in to uh, some of the stuff we've just been talking about. Um, so the first question we have is from Rachel And she's asked, what can you do about feeling guilty whilst recovering from burnout? Which is a very real thing, isn't it?
0: Yeah. I think, again, that comes to the narratives we have around rest, Mm. stillness, recovery. You know, as I was reading, as I was writing the book, the thing that underpinned it for me, and I don't go into this so much in the book because I was just like kind of for a whole different topic but is our obsession with is is yin and yang yes and our obsession with yang and our rejection of yin and our obsession with so yang being you know masculine um faster progress go 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 movement 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 um what i also discovered was it's also excitement enthusiasm i was just like i am so yang i just there's hardly a part of me that like embraces the yin and yin being rest you know, recovery, stillness, darkness, all of this stuff. And that's why we're so obsessed with being switched on. We could literally have the lights on and be connected and be in action and be moving forward 24-7. That is the way our world is set up, and we are feverishly hooked into that. And so when you do stop and when you step into stillness, because our, because we celebrate the action, the movement, all that is yang, we, the, and we reject all that is yin. When you go into that yin, that darkness, that stillness, that recovery, that place of recovery. And of course, recovery can involve doing things, but it's not doing in order to produce. Mm. We're so obsessed with productivity and we're so obsessed with output. You know, That's where we get our, our value from. We're told that that's where you get your value from, from achievement. So if you're not doing, if you're not moving forward, if you're not achieving, where's your value? And so, you know, and what, what, are you, what are you contributing to the world? So that's why it gets so caught up in, in the guilt. And I think, you know what, back to that rest revolution and that rebelliousness, just think about the fact that you're joining, the way I like to frame it, is you're, you're joining part of a movement of people who are saying no that unhealthy way of living that treadmill and recognizing that it will naturally come with a resistance to stopping Mm -hmm. and being still the fears are natural and of course we have those fears and those fears come from being in a society that has us thinking we have to keep constantly you know a capitalist society move move consume consume create produce and if you don't you'll like dissolve, you'll become (laughs) invisible, everything will fall apart. So I think for me, what works for me is feeling like, oh yeah, hang on, this is rebellious. This is revolutionary rest. And I want to be part of that movement. I want to be part of that world. I want to be part of the people who are pioneering that like, we don't need to do things this way and this way isn't working. And, And also there's so much research to back that up now. You know, it's not just a few idealists who are saying, I think we should rest more. The scientists are saying, yeah. you've got to rest more. It is the key to your power. So I think it's also tuning into people who are talking about this, you know, obviously, you know, the, the four hour work week, um, Tim Ferriss and all the stuff he talks about. But there are so many people out there who are kind of, to, for me, Tony Schwartz, from the energy project in America, the powerful engagement, the way we're working isn't working. That was just so inspiring to me. And sort of recognizing there is a world of people out there who are doing things differently and who recognize the power and the importance of rest and that it is, you know, the source of so much creativity and the source of so much happiness and peace and joy. And so it's like, okay, even though my fears will be triggered and my shitty committee will not like it because i'm stepping away from the status quo and unplugging from that programming that says produce create produce create i want to be part of this revolution i'll invite in the fears and the doubts that come along with it that's cool i know to expect that and just almost like expect the guilt to be there so okay tune into Mm. your shitty committee pat it on the head i know you don't like this but this is what we're doing and um yeah, do it that way. Yeah, I think <laughs> that's I th- what works for me. Yeah, no, but I
1: think that I think that's really true and powerful. And and I think that you know what I'm getting from what you're saying is to learn to value the rest, like yeah. value value it as much as you value being busy and working because you know. And I, I think I've heard you speak about this before. It was in the book. I can't remember which one, but like if you were an athlete, like a professional footballer yes. or a tennis player or an Olympic athlete, you know, there's certain times. Well, you have to rest because you can't consistently consistently go, go, go. Like you watch players at Wimbledon, like they're playing every two days and some of their matches are like an hour and a half to four hours long. And it's like, if you're not resting, you're not going to be ready for the next match. And likewise with football, if you're not resting, you're not ready for the match in three, four days. If you're an yeah. athlete, you're not ready for your next um, race or whatever it is. And it's so important and if you if you treat yourself like an athlete does when it comes to rest you learn to value it as much as you do the work and that's so important and then I guess the other thing really is to be okay with the guilt like you said be okay with it be okay. like, okay it's guilt like, I see you're there like it's cool you want some exactly. attention like I'm fine with that <laughs> and then all of a sudden you don't have conflict about feeling guilty because you're like oh it's okay to feel guilty but right now I'm valuing my rest
0: exactly exactly
1: yeah Yeah. Um, beautifully put (laughs) thank you likewise (laughs) um so then the next question we've got uh, is from chad and he said after experiencing burnout what steps can you take to go back into a normal inverted commas environment
0: yeah so you know um the recovery can take time Sometimes people ask, you know, how long does it take to recover from burnout? But just, there's no way of saying, and it depends on the severity of your burnout and it depends how serious you take the rest and the recovery. Um, but really the thing that that takes time, the thing that is life changing is starting to learn how to manage your energy and how to design your life, and particularly your working day so that you're thriving. And a lot of you know, a big part of my book goes into that is learning how to manage your energy on the physical, mm-hmm. emotional, and the mental level. How to keep yourself feeling energized, calm, focused, um, and and alert throughout the day, and filled up. How to look after yourself, and you know, all those those energy zones, and how to design your working day so that it becomes habitual that you do things in the morning that help you to feel energized or, or calm, however it is you want to feel as you start your working day. It becomes habitual that you take rests, that you take breaks, that you naturally do things to renew your energy and refresh your energy. It becomes habitual like I do now on the weekend. My The moment I hit Friday evening, my brain just switches out of work mode. It mm. does not, it doesn't matter how full on the week's been or what big, you know, how maybe I'm mid big project. My brain's like, we're done. I'm out, clocked out completely, and then come back in on the Monday. Um, That has now become habitual for me. But that, as you know, takes time, Mm -hmm. and it's habit by habit, slowly does it. But So it is about really redesigning your life so that you're doing things in a way that help you to keep topping up your energy throughout the day. It's learning things that when you start to feel stressed, getting getting better getting faster at going oh stop time out Mm -hmm. what what can i do to help me (sighs) calm my nervous system back down why does it think a saber-toothed tiger is coming to eat me it's (laughs) not it's just a deadline (laughs) how are we gonna (laughs) do i need to get help do i need to you know move that deadline there's another word deadline
1: Deadline, why do
0: we have that i mean talk about putting like huge panic into your system by deadline um you have to rethink all the words we use for work but yeah so it's it slowly does it and and I know that when you have burnt out you can really start to fear it's like going through a big doubt about depression you can start to you know then have that fear that you could go back to that but I think it's really important to recognize that once you've been there before you, you will recognize the signs You know, Mm -hmm. and you you're learning tools that, you know, as you go that help you to when it comes to burnout, keep your energy topped up. And you know, you're getting better at looking after yourself. And you might have you often have clients who they had a big burnout and then they had another mini burnout, then another and they're like, Oh, it's happened again. I was like, it's okay. But it's like each time you're learning something new and eventually you will break out of the burnout cycle. But for a while, it is your body's go-to way of saying, excuse me, hi, Uh, we need to take a little moment here and something is not working. And I suspect you're overdoing it again. Mm -hmm. And, you know, again, like you were saying before, it's about acceptance, isn't it? And not giving ourselves such a hard time. And I will say this, burnout is not a sign of failure. People often give themselves a hard time when they burn out, like they haven't done things right or they haven't been strong enough or they haven't been resilient enough. And what I always say is that actually most of the time you've burnt out, it's because the systems around us have failed you. Exactly. You know, and that's what the real problem is and that's what we need to. But we can, we are the ones that can take back control mm-hmm. and that can do something about it and unplug from those systems. I yeah. do love Rebellion and Revolution, definitely.
1: I <laughs> can tell, and rightly so, you know. Um, so then we've got one final question, which I actually think ties in really well with some something that you just slightly mentioned at the beginning there with that answer was from Jamie. And Jamie's asked, how can you begin or learn to say no more, especially at work? Because I feel like that's, you know, we're constantly like, oh yeah, I can do that. Oh yeah, I can do that. And we can take in more and more and more on our plate. And then we're like, actually, I can't cope with all of this. So, yeah. what's something that that um, Jamie or people in general can start doing yeah. to learn to say no more?
0: Yeah, it's it's a it's a serious problem. Being a people pleaser, and I'm absolutely a people pleaser. Is is it's it's more than just oh, I just keep saying yes all the time. It's because there's a deep rooted fear about what will happen if I say no. In the same way, it's that deep rooted fear: what will happen if I stop and switch off and unplug and rest? Um. And so I think the first thing is just just before you say yes to yes or no, when a request comes in, stop. Like sit on your hands. Do not put your hands on the keyboard and immediately type, oh, yes, you know, absolutely fine. And just have a think, do I have the capacity to take this on? And again, it's for me, it all comes down to learning how to manage your energy. Mm-hmm. And so saying things like, you know what, I actually have not. And re- and acknowledging and communicating with people from a place of you have a finite amount of energy, I actually don't have the capacity to take that on right now. Um, but I do have a little bit of time next week. Would it work to talk it through then? If it's just like, well, it's too late, I wanted it done today. Obviously, it's a bit different now. If you've got a really demanding boss who doesn't give a crap about mm-hmm. you and your energy, then that's that's sometimes tricky and I and I appreciate that's that's hard to navigate in those situations I would say it's time to leave and <laughs> fire your boss and start looking for another job. But if you've if you're in the right environment with supportive people, then yeah, being able to say I haven't got the capacity for that. Or if they're saying hey we've got a new project we want you to start on, then it's about saying I am I am at full capacity. So if you want me to start on that, which one do you want me to move? But when it comes to, to family and friends and being able to say yes or no, again, it's it's saying sometimes it's just saying you know what I no it's a no. I find that really hard. So what I will do is I'll get I'll say no, but how about an I'll, I'll find I'll find an alternative, you know, an alternative way that I can help or I, you know I can meet up another time or. Um, but it is when you do start when people have got to know you as a yes person, you do start saying no, again, it's that <laughs> acceptance. Yeah. It's gonna feel uncomfortable and some people are not gonna like it because some people really relied on you saying yes whenever they needed something. And so at first there, you know, there can be kickback, but yeah, you just keep sitting on those hands mm-hmm. and stopping yourself from saying, Okay, yes, actually I can do it. Because otherwise you will end up burning out.
1: Mm-hmm. You know,
0: that's the overgiver, that's the people pleaser.
1: Yeah. And a quote that really helped me with this was, um, it said, if you're saying yes to someone else, are you saying no to yourself? Mm -hmm. And that just, just thinking about it like that is really important because it helps you identify actually, am I just saying yes to this for the sake of it? Because I feel like I have to, or am I saying yes, because actually I really want to. And that's so powerful, so powerful. And so do you want to let people know where they can find you online, where they can find the book? And anything else that you want to shout out?
0: Yes. So you can find out about all the different things I do over at selinabarker.com. S-E-L-I-N-A, barker.com. Um, I'm on Instagram at selinathecoach. You can get the book. I mean, you can you can find it on my website. Actually, you can go to the theburntoutbook.com and that mm-hmm. will show you all the sorts of different links to where you can get it online. But you can get it on any of the online bookshops. Um, I do also have at the moment I'm doing um, a little mini uh, Monday crew podcast to to kick off the week and very much it, it's made in the moment mm-hmm. um, and I do a weekly check-in which you get also when you sign up to the Monday crew and then after that I hit record and do a sort of 10 to 20 minute musing or talk about a topic that's sort of really springing to mind but um, it's it's a beautifully growing community and I've got yeah things coming up things coming up in the pipe work so the best way is to follow me on instagram at selena the coach to see what i'm up to
1: so there we have it i hope you enjoyed this episode with selena i would love to know what you got from this episode what did you learn what insights came up for you what came to you in general what resonated with you to do so just hit me up on instagram at i am alex Manzi. And if you know someone who you think would benefit from hearing this episode, then be sure to send in a link or a screenshot because it's really important that we continue to spread the positive vibes and messages of episodes like this. And and the way that we build up the community of this podcast is by people sharing it with people they know. So it's really important to do so because I started this podcast to help inspire a positive change. And you can also be a part of that by sharing this episode with someone you know today. I want to thank Ryan Nile from Pure Creation Media for producing and editing this episode. I also want to thank Hobgoblin for producing The Sick Beats. And of course, I want to extend a thank you to you for listening and spending time with me today. I hope to see you for the next episode. Peace and love, and I'll see you soon.